Here is your Radio Theater Channel weekly podcast for download. The RTC still has the very best old-time radio on the live streaming. And if it's music you love, tune in to the RTC Music Channel, where this link and many others are on our website at oldtimeradiolisten.com. Now, here's Jim. Welcome, everybody, to the RTC Weekly Download. Now, tis the season for a little old-time radio comedies. In the Christmas vein, and we're going to listen to Rogers of the Gazette. We'll start off with Pastel Christmas Trees. After that, the traditional Christmas show with Lum and Abner, and we'll follow that up with Bob Hope. We think it's a great hour of listening, and I hope you think so, too. Here we go with Rogers of the Gazette. Ladies and gentlemen, the editor of the Illyria Weekly Gazette, Mr. Will Rogers, Jr. Thank you. Well, it's getting to be that time of year. I suppose you're planning a real old-fashioned Christmas. Most folks around Illyria are <laughs> old-fashioned. I keep wondering what my grandmother would say if she knew that most Christmas dinners have been in freezers for months now. But the modern housewife is not so much concerned with cooking them as she is with thawing them out. Rogers of the Gazette, offering you again transcribed another heartwarming story of a country newspaper and its friendly editor... And starring Will Rogers, Jr. I'm Doc Clements, a friend of Will's. Oh, there's no doubt about it. The pre-Christmas fever has hit Illyria. The Merchants Association's meeting tonight to plan what kind of decorations they'll have along Main Street. Of course, that doesn't concern me near as much as Will's annual Christmas party in the children's wing of the county hospital. The Gazette tosses a real party for those youngsters with all sorts of entertainment from the community that Will lines up and the finest food you can imagine, all home-cooked right here in Illyria. Everybody sings carols, and those kids have a wonderful time. <laughs> no need saying, I guess, that the highlight of the evening is Santa's arrival with toys and fruit for every child. Of course, Will masterminds the whole thing, works the hardest and all that, but that Santa Claus always steals the show. He's jolly and fat and... Hey, that reminds me. I'll have to have that red suit let out. If you don't bend to it, Will, it'll blow you clean off the street. Oh, hi, Arlo. Uh, yeah, you're right. Fellow needs ground grippers just to keep from walking backwards. This wind goes right through me. I keep meaning to go south in the winter and get busy and forget all about it. Well, if you just quit bucking this wind and give in to it, it'll blow you south in no time. <laughs> Looks like we're the only two fools out in this. Yeah, and I'm going to correct half of that right now. Uh, say, uh, can I count on your hardware trucks to pick up the toys again this year? Oh, sure you can, Will. Just give me a little warning. Yeah, fine. Well, see you later. Tonight, huh? What do you mean? Uh, the Merchants Association meeting to vote on the Christmas decorations. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. In the Pioneer Room at the hotel, 8 o'clock, sure. I remember, Arlo. Goodbye. Uh, I'm not... 
not going through another one of these winters. By George, next year I am going south. Oh, Will! Did you have to open that door? I've chased papers all over the office all day. Next time I'll use the keyhole. I just finished picking up after Arlo Post blew in here. Here, I'll help you. Oh, I know what they mean when they refer to an ill wind. This one sure makes me sick. Yeah, you're in pretty good form, Maggie. You want to write this week's editorial? Well, if I may make so bold, it wouldn't hurt if someone wrote it. The last day or so, I've been wondering if you still worked here. Well, Maggie. Ah, you know, it's this way every year. Planning this party, lining up whatever one's to do. Takes a lot of time. Take your coat off. You'll get cold when you go out in the wind again. <laughs> I don't know. It seems sort of windy in here, too. You know what I mean. Oh, I'm sorry, Will, but when the wind blows, so do I. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> well, we better anchor those loose papers before someone else with no imagination uses the door instead of the yeah. keyhole. There. That ought to do it. No, I didn't think of that before. Well, i got to get up to Hazel Burroughs and talk about the program for the party. What's there to talk about? It's the same program every year. Yeah, I know, but Hazel feels better if we talk about it each time. What night are you having it this year? I'm not sure of that either. Going out to the hospital tomorrow and talk to Miss Moran about that. Well, if you're going to Hazel now and out to the hospital tomorrow, when are you going to write your editorial? Oh, uh, tonight, I guess. Tonight's the Merchants' Association meeting. That's what Arlo stopped by to remind you. He said they were going to vote on the Christmas decorations for Main Street. Yeah, sure they are. They vote every year. And every year they put up the same decorations. Blue in off screen. Hi, Laverne. Well, you sure cut down on conversation openers when you say that, Laverne. That's all I've heard at the shop all day. We've had wind around here before. It seems to me we could all be a little more original. Oh, here, Will. I was coming this way, so I brought my ad over. Oh, thanks very much. Hmm. Still plugging those Italian haircuts, are you? Of course. They're very chic, you know. They're very something. I love yours, Laverne. I wish I could make up my mind to have one. Oh, you'd be stunning with one, Maggie. Why, with the lovely texture of your hair and the body to it, it would be perfect for you. I'm thinking about it. I really am. Well, if you are, you'd better make an appointment soon. That's what my ad's about. Well, some of my operators are already booked up through Christmas Eve. Bella Vern, what gets into you women? First, you let your hair grow about 50 pounds worth and pile it up on top of your head so you look eight feet tall, and then you turn around and chop it down to nothing but a few wisps here and there. That, Will, is called fashion. Change is exhilarating. It's challenging and stimulating. And it makes money for beauty operators, huh? So they buy ads from newspaper men, so everyone's happy. Except the newspaper men who have to look at the women with their heads practically shaved. Well, you're just set in your ways. That surprises me a little about you, because you're always advocating changes in the Gazette. Always urging improvements. Now you're getting there. Always urging improvements, yes. But all changes aren't improvements. And I do mean women's hairstyles. Maggie, you'd better help me work on this guy. Oh, I was just thinking. If Will feels as strongly as he says he does about these haircuts... That's my girl, Maggie. Then you can put me down for the first open appointment. <laughs> Thanks, Hazel. Oh, the chill goes right through you, doesn't it? Take off your things. I've got a fire going in the parlor and some coffee on the table. Sounds good, Hazel. Well, now that I... Oh, by golly, it's windier than I thought. 
Look at your hair. What about my hair? Well, it's all blown crazy. It sticks all around. Look in the mirror. I don't have to look in the mirror. If you must know, I paid three dollars and a half to get my hair blown this way at Laverne Beheimer's New Look Beauty Shopee. Oh, I'm sorry, Hazel. Well, I'm beginning to be myself. Now, come on in and warm yourself and put some coffee in your mouth so you won't say anything else about my hairdo. <laughs> what does Harry think of it? Hasn't said a word. Can't tell whether he's struck dumb or just isn't speaking to me. Sit down, Will. Thanks. Now, help yourself if you take cream or sugar. Black's fine, Hazel. Well, I've been giving the Christmas program a lot of thought, Will. Oh, you've arranged for the toy pickup, I suppose. Uh, yeah. I saw Arlo Post this afternoon. Now, as soon as we decide on the day, why, he said we could use his trucks. Well, the reason I asked, Emery Locke was over last night, wondered if you still planned on the volunteer fireman repairing the toys and painting them up like new and all. I have to give Emery a call. Yeah, sure, we're planning on them, just like we always do. Well, I know Doc to be the Santa Claus again, because I get the honor of letting out the seams in that red suit of his again this year. Uh, maybe Doc's trying to use too many pillows. What pillows? <laughs> All that soft padding belongs to the good doctor himself. If it's pillows, it's its own flesh and blood. It's a good thing he doesn't make no show about coming down the chimney. <laughs> I guess it is at that. Well, now about the program. I thought I'd play the piano, of course. Jingle Bells to start off with, and Santa Claus is coming to town, and Roscoe the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That way we'd uh, say the carols. What's that? Uh, it's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh. I don't think it's very important. Let's see now. Where were we? Oh, Jingle Bells, and Santa Claus is coming to town, and uh, what's his name? The Red-Nosed, you know what? <laughs> All those are your piano solos, huh? Uh-huh. And after that... I'll recite was the night before Christmas. And after that, John and Sam and Emery will appear in their bathrobes with their heads tied up in towels and saying, We Three Kings of Orient are. That's right. And let's put a pin right there, Will. Right where? In John's bathrobe. Or else give him a new one. I noticed last year, somewhere between Moran Mountain and Field and Fountain, John had a hole in the back of his. I'll give him an early Christmas present. Good. Then, I guess the rest of the program is just about the same as last year's. Unless you have some suggestions. Uh, nope. I thought last year's was just fine, Hazel, all thanks to you. Oh, you know I just love doing it, Will. Not having any of my own, I'd just like to be near youngsters at Christmas. And those sweet little souls at the hospital, I... Well, it just makes me happy to be with them, that's all. <laughs> I know it does, Hazel. It's just like those green trees all lighted up along Main Street, Will. It all makes Christmas for me. I know just how you feel. Well, morning, Maggie. Hello, Will. <clears throat> oh, hi, Doc. Didn't see you over there. Come by to pass the time of day, did you? This is a professional call. You sick, Maggie? Not me. I came by to examine your head, Will. My head? Now, Doc, he may have a good excuse. He better have. Me? Excuse for what? For why you weren't at the Merchants' Association meeting last night. All that. Well, I could say I forgot all about it. But to tell you the truth... That's the... what we want to hear. Okay. It was so blame cold and windy, and the house just felt so nice and warm when I got home to dinner, I just plain decided to stay at home, and I did. I wish you'd lied and said you forgot about it. That wouldn't have solved much, Maggie. Well, Mr. Rogers, I sure hope you enjoyed your comforts last evening. Oh, I did some work, too. Wrote my editorial, Maggie. King. Well, well, what is this? What happened last night that was my fault? 
Tell me this first, Will. What kind of Christmas trees are you partial to? Well, you mean pine or fir or spruce? I mean, do you like green trees or white trees or blue trees or what? Oh, I'm a green tree man myself, all the way. Then it's most likely that if you had bothered to attend the meeting last night, you would have voted with the green tree crowd. The straight ticket. Well, bully who's on a tiger for you, because you're the man who just cost Elyria its green Christmas trees this year. You, you mean they're not going to have green trees on Main Street like they always do? They are not. By one single, solitary, irresponsible vote, the green tree crowd lost out to Laverne Beheimer and the lunatic fringe. Oh, no. Oh, yes. All along Main Street. Pastel-colored Christmas trees. <laughs> are listening to Rogers of the Gazette, starring Mr. Will Rogers, Jr. We'll return to our story in just a moment, but first, whether you've given blood before or intend to and never have, consider these facts. Today, we can stockpile precious blood plasma against future emergencies. With the fighting ended, the priceless chance is ours to store up blood supplies against emergencies of war and peace that give no advance warning. Call your local Red Cross or hospital blood bank for an appointment to keep America prepared. And now we continue with the second act of Rogers of the Gazette. Now, try to control yourself, Arlo, and just tell me quietly how it happened. Uh, well, I don't like to relive the scene much, but I guess you got a right to know. May I say first that 39 of the 40 members of the Merchants Association saw fit to attend a meeting. I'm the worst kind of a bum. I've already admitted it. But believe me, I never had any idea there was a resistance movement on against green trees, or I'd have been there. Well, I don't think any of us suspected it. Laverne and some of those ladies ready-to-wear girls apparently have been working underground, silent as termites for some time. Well, uh, uh, did they come right out and say they were for pastel Christmas trees? No, they were much too clever for that. They let the green tree boys make the motion that we use the same old decorations. Then when it came to a vote, the 15 of them rose as one and voted it down. Now, you see, well, if you'd have been there, we'd have had one more green tree vote. And that meant a tie. And as president, I'd have broke the tie. And you're a green tree man. Till the day I die. Well, there's no two ways about it. I'm the meanest man in town. A lot of folks think so, Will. A lot more than we're going to. Long about the time Laverne, the girls start putting up. Blue, pink, and yellow trees. How'd you settle on the colors? Who settled? It isn't as if it was put to a vote. Not a clean-cut vote, anyway. You see, we was all still on the ropes from the defeat for the old decorations when someone got up and nominated Laverne as head of the new decorations committee. Oh, I see. And she appointed her own committee, I suppose. That's in the then... custom, and the next thing we knew, they'd put their heads together over in the corner. And just before we adjourned, she announced the committee report. Uh, oh, I think I'd have struck her, save for the fact that she's a woman. Hmm, they didn't make any slip-ups. Uh, I, I mean, the vote's legal, and nothing can be done to change it. Nothing can be done. 
Come to think of it, you're the one that ought to be struck. Well, I'm open for it, I guess. Oh, I'm joshing, more or less. Not that I wouldn't like to flail away at you if it do any good, but I tell you, Will, there was a lot of strong talk against you last night. Oh, providing you weren't sick or so. No, I wasn't sick last night. But I feel pretty sick today, every time I think of those pastel trees along Main Street. Well, how about me? I feel like a traitor to my own cause. Being the only paint store in town, I'm the one that has to sell them that pastel paint. No, he still isn't here, Sam, but I'll tell him you call. Well, I don't know exactly when he'll get back to you. He's had quite a few calls. I, I know. I know all about it. All right, Sam, I'll tell him. Oh, poor Will. Hi, Maggie. Hi. Any calls while I was at Arlo's? Fourteen by actual count. My colleagues of the Merchants Association. Just the green tree contingent. <laughs> Any threats on my life? Just one from Sam. He said he wouldn't trust himself to shave you for a while and intimated you'd better get your hair cuts from Laverne Beheimer. <laughs> well, I guess I had that coming. Darn it. I wish I could do something to help you. Mm, that's nice of you, Maggie. But unless you have any way of turning back the clocks of yesterday so I could go to that meeting last night, there isn't much way you can help me. Well, everyone's acting like they'd never made a mistake in their lives. They're all so self-righteous because they went out to a meeting on a cold night and you didn't. Well, I can't really blame them, Maggie. I'm darn sure I'd have felt pretty self-righteous myself if I'd have gone out last night. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Hazel. Will? I don't know what to say to you. Now, don't be choosy, Hazel. Just say anything. Everybody else has. Well, I don't mind telling you. I had to hear it from a lot of people before I'd believe it. A lot of people are talking about it, are they? Oh, my. It's all over town. Folks huddling in little groups, talking of nothing else in the wide world but pastel Christmas trees. Why, even Harry knows about it. And he's always the last person in time to know anything. You know that. Well, talking isn't going to do any good. Don't they know that? Apparently not. Of course, I say there's no sense mushing around and spilt milk. The thing is, what can we do about it? Besides, spit right in Laverne Beheimer's eye. Fair sampling of public opinion might indicate that it's my eye you should aim for. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I've heard talk of stringing you up to the highest, pinkest branch of the tallest Christmas tree. But I say Laverne ought to have better sense, and I'm on my way to her shoppy to give her a good talking to. Get her to calm down this hair. Well, I hope you do some good, Hazel. I wish I could think of something to do. To tell you the truth, Will, you'd better come up with some good, bright idea because some folks are mumbling around about not supporting the Gazette's Christmas party for those children. All on account of your neglect last night. Now that's the end. The very end of all the spiteful no, 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 easy tricks. does it, Maggie. But they're not thinking straight on that, Hazel. Well, they'd get back at me all right, but, but, but surely they wouldn't want to disappoint those kids at the hospital. I can't believe they would, Will. I'd swear they wouldn't. But then, as recent as yesterday, I'd have swore I'd never see Easter egg-colored Christmas trees grace on Main Street. You come down to the children's wing with me? Uh, no. I'll find Miss Moran in her office and talk to her there. I, I kind of doubt if I could make it down to see the kids today. Well, they always ask about you, especially this time of year. Yeah, well, well, we'll tell them hello for me. Tell them I'll see them later on. 
I don't think I can face the kids just yet, Doc. Well, I... What'll I do? I mean, a lot of them will probably have their letters to Santa Claus all written. In the past, I've always told them I'd mail the letters for them. Yeah, you can take their letters, Doc. Those kids are going to have a Christmas party if I have to play Rudolph the Blue-Nosed Reindeer myself. <laughs> all right. I'll stop back for you, son. Hello, Miss Moran. Why, Mr. Rogers, how nice to see you. Won't you sit down? Thank you. The children have been asking for you. Want to go down and see them now or after we've finished our little talk? Oh, well, uh, I'm in sort of a hurry today, Miss Moran. I'll get out to see them real soon. I hope so. You'll never know what you do for them, Mr. Rogers. They look forward to that Christmas party the whole year long. Yeah, well, so do I, as a matter of fact. Uh, well, uh, you've got a full list of them, I suppose. Here we are. The names and ages. And I've noted a few small little things they may not ask for, but I know will please them. <laughs> That's good. Uh, now, uh, do you think early Christmas Eve is as good a time as any for the party? I think that's perfect. Now, if there's anything I can do, I hope you'll let me know. Oh, I will, thanks. And if you get any ideas, uh, you just give me a call. I could use a hand with decorations, just anything. I'd like it if the place didn't look so much like a hospital, at least on Christmas Eve. Oh, don't worry about the decorations, Miss Moran. There's every chance there's going to be an excess of Christmas decorations in Elyria this year. Wonderful. We'll welcome anything. You ready, Will? Hi, Miss Moran. Hello, Dr. Clements. Or should I say Santa Claus? Yeah, go ahead. Call me Santa Claus. Because the way things are going, you might not recognize me as Santa Claus come the party. Oh, why is that? Oh, hasn't Will told you? In keeping with the modern conception of Christmas, I stand to show up here in an orchid space suit sporting one of them Italian haircuts. Oh, Doc, lay off, will you? <laughs> Oh, hi, Laverne. Oh, she's off somewhere, the post office or somewhere like that. Oh, I'm sorry to miss her. Most of the men are turning this over to the women in their places of business. How do you suppose you'd want Maggie to take care of it for you? Take care of what? Well, here, I'll show you. There we are. Now, here are the plans for street decorations, just roughly designated, of course. But as you see, this is Main Street along here. Mm -hmm. And as it works out, there will be a tree in front of each place of business. I see. Now, we're going to paint the trees tomorrow night. What shade uh, would you like? I get a choice? Well, as nearly as possible, so long as all the colors blend. We're trying to be fair and give each proprietor his choice. Oh, well, that's fine. I'll take green. Chartreuse? No, just plain old green tree green. Now, Will, that's old hat we decided at the meeting. Well, yeah, that's my choice. That's it. Oh, you men, I get this everywhere I stop. Now, you do have a choice. In the greens are chartreuse and lime. Then you may have ice blue or robin egg blue, uh, burnt orange, which is stunning. It's all stunning. Butter yellow, uh, cerise, and shocking pink. These are Christmas trees you're talking about. Don't be facetious. What color's that? On you, it's sort of an ash gray. Uh... Now, are you going to have ornaments on these trees, or is that old hat, too? Oh, the ornaments, Will. Now, they are really spectacular. Charcoal, gray, and stove black. Oh, Laverne, for heaven's sake. It's usually at this point in the discussion that the men in the business turn it over to a woman to make the choice. Now, if Maggie were here, I She'd could... she punch you right in the nose. I'm not going to take much more of this abuse, Will. After all, I represent the party in power at the moment. 
That vote the other night was duly taken, you know. I know it was. And in case I forget it, a lot of people are quick to remind me. Laverne, now, does it mean anything to you at all that about 95% of Illyria wants regulation Christmas trees with regulation Christmas ornaments on them? You should have thought of that the other night and showed up at the meeting. You're right. I should have. But I'm going to make up for it somehow. Laverne, you just can't do this to Christmas. You just try and stop me. I tell you, Arlo, I don't mind taking my own medicine, but I sure hate to have the whole town have to swallow it, too. I guess you sampled a little public opinion, Will. Talk to everybody who'll speak to me. And nobody except Laverne and what Doc calls a lunatic fringe, want these preposterous Christmas decorations. Well, Christmas should be more she-she. What? Well, that's what Laverne said when she was in here this morning. Sounds like a bad song title. I'm dreaming of a she-she Christmas. Well, now, that's one thing. She can't change the old traditional Christmas music much. Or isn't she going to have those loudspeakers rigged up on Main Street? Well, yeah, she's already arranged for that. Less over at the music stores in a while back. He told me she was coming back later to pick out the rest of the music. The rest of it? Well, she's only settled on one song so far. Something called Santa Baby. Look, Arlo. Something's got to be done about this. Well, I'm thinking of doing something. Like what? I keep meaning to go south in the winter. It looks like this is the year. Thought you were serious. I am. I'm thinking about it real serious. And I'm not alone either. Several of us checked with the railroad, found that we could make good connections in the city with the southbound limited. You mean you're going to run out? Well, uh, some of us look on it more like we were being run out, Will. No one likes to leave their homes at Christmas time, not to mention closing down businesses and losing revenue, but there's a limit to what some of us still take. And a pastel Christmas tree with stove black ornaments is mighty near the limit. Well, I can't blame you. And I don't suppose I can stop you any more than I can stop Laverne. Well, what color tree are you going to have perched in front of the Gazette office? I never said a lot. And of the choice of color she gave me, it was... Say, tell me this, Arlo. Now, you're a paint man. Where did she come up with that bunch of colors? Well, they're perfectly good colors, all right. Uh, they're not too Christmassy. But there's nothing wrong with most of those colors put in their proper place. Oh, well, maybe not, but... The... Hmm... Their proper place. Say, Arlo, has Laverne bought that paint yet? No, said she meant to do that later today. She wants to talk to me about spray guns, she said, and how to mix the colors proper and all that sort of thing. And... Will, you got an idea? I've got a first-class idea. <laughs> Will, just lovely. Oh, I don't know, Laverne. It uh, looks more she-she to me than anything else. <laughs> All right, it's she-she. Well, now this blue one's finished. Where else do you need me? Oh, let's see now. Uh, Doc's done one in peach. Maggie and Hazel Burroughs are working on a pale pink one. Oh, here. I guess you can help Arlo and Sam. Yeah, what color paint are they using? Butter yellow. Oh, I like that. Oh, you never cease to amaze me, Will. When I described these colors to you yesterday, you said some terrible things. Yeah, but that's when you were talking about using this paint on Christmas trees. Well, 
Maybe it does look better on the walls of these hospital rooms. Mm, I think so. I still think you were pretty sneaky to buy Arlo's stock of pastel paints so I couldn't use them on the trees. I was a positive cad about it. <laughs> oh, how wonderful this room looks. You like it, Miss Moran? I love it. Every room I look at is the most beautiful color I ever saw. Well, this room isn't too bad, Will. Of course, that peach job I just applied across the hall is really the class of the children's wing. Well, I've said all along that as a doctor, you'd make a good painter. Oh, oh, that's rich. I don't know how we'll ever thank you. When I asked for help on decorating the children's rooms, I really meant Christmas decorations, you know. But now they'll enjoy these soft pastel walls the year round. Yes, and Main Street will have its traditional green trees for the Christmas season. Ah, you won't mind so much, will you, Laverne? Not after putting this paint to such good use, Doc. I guess we can thank Will for both decorating jobs. No, no, you're the one to thank, Laverne. Well, I might never have thought of painting the children's wing if you hadn't planned your wild color scheme for Main Street. You practically drove me to it. You have just heard Rogers of the Gazette, starring Mr. Will Rogers, Jr., with Parley Bear as Doc Clemens and Georgia Ellis as Maggie Button. Our story was written by Kathleen Height and produced and transcribed by Norman MacDonald. Featured in the cast were Jeanette Nolan, Howard McNair, Elaine Williams, and Virginia Gregg. The special music for Rogers of the Gazette was composed by Rene Garagank and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. CBS, CBS. CBS Radio's gonna follow you, follow you. Radio that's best. Praise, oh, praise, oh, praise that CBS Radio. Tomorrow night, Ray Milan stars on Meet Mr. McNutley on most of these same stations. Professor Ray's explosive encounter with a pretty French exchange student calls for ooh-la-la's aplenty tomorrow night. This is Roy Rowan speaking. Thursday night, Marlena Dietrich stars in Time for Love on the CBS Radio Network. Now we're off to Pine Ridge, Arkansas for an episode of Lum and Abner. It's the traditional Christmas story from 1944. The Miles Laboratories of Elkhart, Indiana, makers of Alka-Seltzer and one-a-day brand vitamins, invite you now to listen to Lum and Abner's special annual Christmas program.
This being the Christmas season, Lum and Abner and their sponsors have wished that they might do something for you, their radio friends, that would add still more pleasure and enjoyment to the occasion. With this thought in mind, your old Pine Ridge friends are repeating their traditional Christmas program. Like the story of the nativity itself, Lum and Abner's Christmas story has become more beautiful and meaningful with the passing of the years. It was in 1933 that they first told this simple legend of a humble event that took place here in America in Pine Ridge. A tale which reflects the story of Bethlehem's wondrous miracle. And now, once more, we invite you to listen to Lum and Abner's Christmas story. As we look in on the little community of Pine Ridge now, a picture of complete peace and contentment greets our eyes. It's a clear, still evening this Christmastide night, and the whole countryside is wrapped in a clean white blanket of snow, which has fallen rather heavily all day long. Here and there on the deserted streets, we see an occasional home or the lights of a Christmas tree in the front window still twinkle in the dark of the night. As we pass through town and come to the outskirts, we catch up with three old fellows trudging along through the snow on the road which leads from Pine Ridge out into the countryside. Getting closer, we see they are Lum, Abner, and Grandpappy Spears. And as we join them, we find that they are on a real Christmas mission. Listen. You're sure we're headed right now, are you, Grandpap? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this is the way. See, Doc Miller rode his horse over here. You see his tracks there in the snow. Well, it must be the old Gaddis place, then. That's just about where it's at. But there ain't nothing but the barn left over there, though. That house burnt down two or three years ago. Well, Doc says it's due east from that road where we turned off there. Due east, huh? Which way is east? I ain't paid no attention to the direction. Well, wait a minute. Whereabouts is the east star? Hey, there it is, right ahead of us. Yeah, yeah, we're going right, man. Don't worry about that. Yeah, we can just follow the east star. Yeah, that ought to lead us to it. How'd you find out about these folks, Grandpap? Well, uh, Doc Miller and his woman ate dinner over at our place, and we were sitting there visiting after we got done eating, and uh, directly the telephone rung and told Doc to get right on over here. Well, who done the calling? Oh, some feller named Joe something or another. Forget what he did call his name. He had went over to some neighbor's house to call... Said they'd been into the county seat to pay their taxes, and they weren't no room at the hotel, so they come out here to this old barn to spend the night. Well, this ain't fitting weather they have to stay out in the barn. And they said they were sort of expecting the baby to be born tonight, huh? Yeah, and that's the reason they called Doc Miller. What's the matter, Abner? I know his mom's arms is getting tired. Oh, here, let me tear them blankets a while, and you can <sighs> tear this oil heater. Is that box of groceries getting heavy, Grandpap? No, I'm all right. We ought to be there directly anyway. 
Yeah, this snow tired about out walking through it, you know. Well, maybe we're walking a little fast for you, Abner. Here, you take the lantern, too. Oh. Uh, yeah, sure, it's mighty thoughty of you fellas to come over here at night this way. I sort of hate to call you to get out on Christmas, but after Doc left, my me and the woman got to talking about how pitiful it was that that couple was having to stay out here in this old barn with nothing to eat and all. Why, sure. Well, I'm just glad you called me, Grandpa. Just proud of a chance to help. Yeah, this makes it seem more like Christmas to me, doing for somebody else. You know, you just can't do things to make other folks happy without making yourself happy at the same time. Trouble with a lot of us, we sort of lose the Christmas idea altogether. Think too much about ourselves. The real Christmas spirit is a happiness we get out of making others happy. Why, yeah, sure. Now, there we were, just sitting there at home. Thought we was enjoying ourselves. These folks out here spending Christmas in an old barn this way. You know, wouldn't have been no Christmas to it if you hadn't have called us up, Grandpa. Well, I knowed in reason I could depend on you fellas. Now, here, men, if it's the old Gaddis place, we ought to be able to see it from the top of this hill here. Wait a minute. I believe that's the barn yonder, ain't it? Yeah, yeah, that's where they're at, so where's the world? Well, that's due east from where we is at, all right, for there's the east star there right over the top of the barn. Yeah, yeah, there's Doc's horse tied to the fence there. Yeah, this is the place. See the light shining through the cracks in the wall? Yeah. Yeah, sir, that's a shame that them folks never let some of us know that they needed a place to stay. We've got plenty of room right over at the place. We'd have been glad to have them. Well, this man that called Doc said they was looking for a place to stay and seen this barn weren't being used, so they just put up there for the night. Uh, whereabouts do they live at, Grandpa, did he say? Why, yeah, they're from over about Pleasant Valley summers, I think. Pleasant Valley? Yeah. He told Doc he never had no cash money. Taking every nickel he had to pay his taxes, but said if he'd make this call, said he'd work it out quick as he could. Well, old, old Doc never refused a call in his life, I don't reckon. No. I've knowed him to get up in the dead of night in the worst kind of weather to go call on the sick when he knowed before he went that he never would get no pay for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what we do without old Doc here in this community. While there's some that says his methods is a little old-fashioned, uh, uh, Granny's, I'll take my chances with him every time. And he's pulled me through the shatters time and again. Yeah, all I said, Doc never practiced medicine for what money he got out of it as much as he does for the good that he can be to his fellow man. Oh, yeah. No, sir, if there ever was a man that's got a preserved seat in the better world, it's old Doc Miller. Yeah, yeah. We better not be talking too loud, fellas. We don't want to disturb them none. No, no, no. Let's all be as quiet as we can. Yeah. Sit this stuff down. Arms are tired. Oh, mine too. We got to let Doc know we're here somewhere, rather. I reckon it won't hurt nothing to tap on the door, sort of, General. No. Go ahead, Lonnie. More like they be needing this oil stove. I don't hear a sound in there. 
I don't believe you knock quite loud enough, Lum. Maybe they never hear you. Wait a minute. Here comes somebody at the door. Oh, howdy, dog. Well, hello there. <laughs> what are you three old codgers doing out here this time of the night? Why, we just got to thinking after you left, Doc, these folks might be needing something. Yeah, uh, Doc, we brung an oil stove and some bed covers here. And here's a box of groceries. Well, they're sure needing them, men. Having any heat of any kind in there. Hmm. Using what little hay was left for a bed, I piled it all up in the manger and made a pretty good bed. But now these covers will come in awful handy. Oh, how's the lady, Doc? Well, getting along as well as could be expected, Lum. Well, I'll take these things on in and have her husband light this heater and warm the place up a little. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you men had better stay out here for a little while. Oh, yeah, sure. You, you go ahead, Doc. We'll wait out here. Hey, if there's anything we can do, Doc, let us know. Yes, all right. Thank you, Grandpa. Uh, oh, Doc, uh, what kind of work does this fella do? I said a while ago that, uh, he was a carpenter by trade, Lum. Said he'd been out of work for quite a while, though. Well, I'd better get back inside. Yeah, sure. Said he was a carpenter, huh? Yeah. I was just thinking, Abner. We've been talking about building that loading platform at the back door of the store. I think it's a pretty good idea to get this fella to help us. Yeah, that's a good idea, Lum. And we might get him to do a little fixing up in the store there, too, while he's at it. Well, he'll want to be nice wife and baby for a few days now, I reckon. Why, sure, sure. Quick as Doc thinks it's safe for him to be moved, I'm going to just insist on him coming right on over there at our place and staying. Yeah, that'd be the best place in the world for him, Grandpap. Aunt Charity, that woman of yours, could take better care of him than anybody I know of. Yeah, she, she'd get a side of enjoyment out of looking after the baby. <laughs> she just loves children. Oh, me. That woman of yours, Grandpappy's mother, would ever youngin' in the community, I reckon. <laughs> As, uh, I just thinking here. Here we are, three old codgers, getting along in years, standing around out here waiting. Waiting for a little baby to be born. It's sort of like as if we was waiting for somebody to take our place. Well, of course, we don't like to talk about such things, I reckon, but we've about solved our time in, I reckon. Uh, it won't be long before we'll have to move on. There'll be somebody else to take our place. Oh, yeah, sure, they'll soon forget about us. <laughs> it's sort of like the years. Here, 1944's almost gone. There's been a lot of things happen, but it'll soon be forgot. There's been lots of joys and happiness. And on the other hand, there's been lots of heartaches and lots of blasted hopes. But there's a new year coming, and we'll all get to start all over again. Here'll come 1945, bringing new hope new courage. And we're sort of like the years, us three old fellas. We're sort of like 1944, and we're waiting on 1945. The little baby in yonder. Well, it's just like I've always said. Well, I believe somebody's coming to the door. Oh, maybe it's Doc. Any news yet, Doc? 
Well, ma'am, it's a fine baby boy. So it came to pass that a little child was born on December 25th in an old barn in the countryside near the peaceful little community of Pine Ridge. Friends, we hope you have enjoyed this Lum and Abner's traditional Christmas story. May the spirit of peace and goodwill which it brings remain with you through the years to come. This is the Christmas wish for you and yours from Lum and Abner and their sponsors, the makers of Alka-Seltzer and of One-A-Day brand vitamins. A very Merry Christmas to you all, always. Baker speaking. This is the Blue Network. And we'll wrap up this week's Christmas show with an episode of Bob Hope with guest Madeline Carroll from 1941. For the safety of your smile, use Pepsodent twice a day. See your dentist twice a year. The Pepsodent Show starring Bob Hope. <laughs> Ah, thank you so much. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Christmas Tree Hope telling you to use Pepsodent and your teeth will be evergreens. <laughs> well, I'm tired tonight. I've been wrapping packages all day. Every year I like to send away the product that California produces most of that year. One year I sent away oranges, another year lemons. But this year I'm having a little trouble. How do you wrap up a Douglas bomber? <laughs> and I've been wrapping packages. And yesterday I went to the post office to mail some packages. What a line. Believe it or not, just standing in line, I passed my own house twice. <laughs> I never saw a line that long before. I had a package I wanted to mail to a friend of mine in Boston. And by the time I walked to the end of the line, I handed it to him. <laughs> And what mobs there are in the post office. For a half an hour, I ran around yelling blackout before I discovered somebody had shoved my head into an inkwell. <laughs> what a mix-up in that post office. One fellow walked in with a package under his left arm. After he got waited on, he walked out with a package under his chin and his left arm was on its way to Kansas City. Boy, did that mob shove you around. I stuck out my tongue to lick a stamp, 
and I washed three windows before I could get it back. <laughs> and I saw a little kid scrawling on a piece of paper. I said, writing letters to Santa Claus? And he said, nope, I'm writing to Governor Olson. What does he mean, closing Santa Anita? <laughs> so I said, what are you so sore about? He said, well, my mother's out of a job. She was one of Crosby jockeys. <laughs> the post office wall, there was a picture of Uncle Sam pointing his finger at you, saying, Uncle Sam wants you. And the crowd was shoving so hard, Uncle Sam is now saying it while sucking his thumb. <laughs> but you know, Christmas is so exciting, and you should see the Christmas trees on Hollywood Boulevard today. They floated down from the Yukon. <laughs> I love Christmas trees. This year, I decided to dig up my own tree, roots and all, and boy, did I dig deep. I dug down so deep that twice I ran into Dick Tracy chasing the mole. <laughs> I finally bought a nice tree and I tied my tree on my, on, on my car with the bottom sticking out in front of the radiator and then I drove down Hollywood Boulevard. I heard somebody yell, don't cross the street, Mamie, now they're using battering rams. But it's wonderful here in California. Five years ago, I planted a little seed for a fir tree in my yard, and now I can look out of my window anytime and see the gopher that ate it. <laughs> but my tree looks pretty this year. I wanted to fix an ornament on top of the tree, so I bent it way down and told Skinny Ennis to hold it. It took us a half hour to scrape them off the ceiling. <laughs> and I set up the electric trains for my little nephew under the tree before I went to bed. I walked in and turned them on in the dark. Then I accidentally stepped on the electric tracks with my bare feet. I was finally brought down by the 4th Interceptor Command. <laughs> you know, there's one man in this program who knows all about wrapping and mailing packages for Christmas. Oh, Professor Colonna, come here. Come in. Christmas seals. <laughs> Professor, this is the gay Yuletide season. You know, you look as though you've been down in the dumps. Gad, he knows where his present is coming from. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, Colonna, you seem to look a trifle sad tonight. Yes, you see, it's... Uh, it's Jim. He never brings me pretty flowers. <laughs> but I'll go on carrying the torch for Jim. <laughs> Colonna, you fool, you're both men, so how can you carry the torch for Jim? Why not? He's a plumber. Well, Professor, tell us something about Christmas in Hollywood All right You know, people in Hollywood take everything for granted For instance, every night for weeks now Santa Claus has been riding up and down Hollywood Boulevard Hope you yourself have seen Santa riding up and down Hollywood Boulevard But do you know why he keeps riding up and down the boulevard night after night? No, why? Can't find parking space <laughs> Professor, let's tell, let's tell the folks the proper way to wrap a Christmas gift. Now, folks, we have a couple of mailbags right up here at the microphone. <laughs> Speak for yourself, folks. Colonna, this is the end. Well, stick around. It may be a double feature. <laughs> Gosh, Hope, I can hardly wait till I see Santa riding in his sleigh Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. He'll ride his reindeer down from the clouds. Then Santa will stop his sleigh on my roof. He'll climb down the chimney. Then he'll climb a little further down my chimney. Now he's just a few more feet to go, and he'll be at the bottom of my chimney. Oh! 
should have put the fire out. <laughs> Did you ever hear the saying, truth is stranger than fiction? Well, here's the truth. Six sets of identical twins started a tooth powder test several weeks ago. One twin in each set used Pepsodent. The other twin used any other tooth powder she wanted. They brushed their teeth alike. They brushed the same number of times. They did everything alike. The only difference was that one used Pepsodent and one didn't. And what do you suppose happened? After a couple of weeks, even total strangers could tell which twin used Pepsodent. Her teeth were so much brighter. But here's what one set of twins had to say. Well, I knew Lucille Eustack of Chicago, one of the lucky twins who used Pepsodent. My sister Lorraine used another well-known brand, and it was just like wearing nameplates. Pepsodent made my teeth so much brighter that people said they could tell us apart by our teeth. Well, I never dreamed there was that much difference in tooth powder. You bet there is, Lucille. Laboratories have proved, and you yourself have seen the evidence, that Pepsodent tooth powder can produce a luster on teeth twice as bright as the average of all other leading brands. Twice as bright, mind you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that ought to be a guide for you when you buy a tooth powder. Get Pepsodent tooth powder tonight at your nearest drug counter. Remember, independent laboratory tests found no other dentifrice that could match the luster produced by Pepsodent. So be sure you ask for Pepsodent tooth powder, and you'll soon see how really bright your teeth can be. Wow. 
walking in a winter wonderland. That was Francis Langford and the six hits in the mist singing Winter Wonderland. Ladies and gentlemen, we members of the cast of this show have been wondering for a long time what we should give Bob Hope for Christmas. Of course, we could give him the same thing he gave us, but he's already got an autographed picture of Bob Hope. So, <laughs> so tonight, we've got a real surprise for Bob. Something Bob has always really wanted. Something I'm sure any man would be glad to find in his Christmas stocking. And here she is, one of Hollywood's most glamorous stars, currently seen in Paramount's Bahama Passage, Miss Madeline Carroll. Goodness, but you're big, aren't you? Yes, I am rather tall and muscular. <laughs> like big, strong men like you. I think that... Uh, pardon me, Madeline. Madeline, honey. Quiet, shorty. <laughs> you know, I could go for you, Miss Carroll. Oh, Ben, call me mad. Call me mad, too. <laughs> you know, that was a lovely speech you made, Ben, when you introduced me before. Would you like to find me in your Christmas stocking? Look at that size of that foot. He could get the Andrews sisters in there. <laughs> With her agent <laughs> Oh, what are you burning up about, Bob? I bet you're going to use this as an excuse To give me some crummy little present this year As far as you're concerned, Gage This Christmas you can call me Jim <laughs> uh, As I was saying, Madeline I, I could go for you There's something about you A, a certain uh, je ne sais quoi Yes, and, and you have that, that sans-foi, that, that air so comme il faut. Vous êtes un vrai gentleman. Uh, vous êtes une femme fatale. Et vous êtes très intéressant. Uh, where does an alien go to register? <laughs> oh, pay no attention to him, Ben. Tell me, how did you get that lovely wave in your hair? Why, Maddie, that wave is perfectly natural. Naturally, says he stays up all night running a hot egg beater through it. <laughs> now, Madeline, on behalf of the entire cast, I want to welcome you to the Pepsodent program. Well, Ben, it's a great pleasure for me to be here. And, Madeline, I know there's only one person on this program you really want to meet. Hurry up, get to the point, will you, boy? <laughs> the most sought-after man in Hollywood. Women swoon at the sight of him. That romantic Romeo, that handsome brute. If this is me, let's not be ridiculous. <laughs> Hollywood's great lover, Skinny Ennis. <laughs> All right, Ben, you've had your joke. You can go now. Madeline, do you want me to leave? Ben, stop passing the buck. It's my salary, and I'll do whatever I want with it. <laughs> you better shut up, Redwood. You know, Madeline, Ben's working for the government now. He's working for the government? Yeah, he stands on top of Lookout Mountain with a fly swatter in each hand and knocks Japanese planes out of the sky. <laughs> Are you doing anything for defense? Oh, sure. I'm a fire warden. Oh, what are your duties? Well, I see that the marshmallows don't get too hot. 
Gage, what are you still hanging around for? Oh, every time a girl comes on this program, I have to beat it. Well, I ain't tonight, see? I'm going to talk to Madeline as long as I want, and you ain't going to stop me. Why, Bob, what happened to Ben? Last week, he read the Bill of Rights. <laughs> Come on, now, Ben, scram. Bob, you're being unfair. After all, the gang and I got Madeline down here as a Christmas present to you. Oh, you did? Have you arranged for Madeline's salary, too? Sure. We're all going to chip in as soon as you pay us. I guess I'll have to dream the rest. <laughs> You'll get paid, Madeline, and being that you're English, your salary for tonight will be a thousand pounds. Thousand pounds? No, Bob, I couldn't take it. I oh, mean... gee, that's a shame, and after I had all the Pepsi that weighed out, too. <laughs> Ben mentioned Skinny Ennis before. I don't see him around. Where is he? Oh, the government asks us to keep Skinny hidden. They're, they're afraid he might give the Japs confidence. <laughs> you know, Madeline, Skinny's very war conscious. I know he's too modest to admit this, but yesterday he wanted to do his bit, so he volunteered as a blood donor. Yesterday he went to the hospital to give a pint of his blood. Oh, thrilling. What happened? They gave him a quart. I'll call him. <laughs> hey, Skin. Yeah, Bob. Skinny, this is Madeline Carroll. Matt. Madeline, can't... <sighs> <sighs> he was cute while he lasted. <laughs> oh, come on, get up and go away, Skinny. Madeline doesn't want to be bothered with you. Is that so? Listen this, son. You may not realize it, but you're talking to Romeo Ennis, the Cucamonga Casanova. <laughs> hey, Madeline, come in. Uh, yes, sir? Throw your arms around me and hold me tight and hug me, gal. Come in. Uh, yes, sir. Well, go on. What a time for my Wheaties to give out. <laughs> well, I'll see you later. Optimist. Well, Madeline. <laughs> well, Madeline. Here we are alone. Yes, Bob. We're alone. Yep. Well, you want to shoot some pool? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, by the way, Maddie, I meant to ask you, uh, how'd you like the Christmas present I sent you? Well, uh, the gift you sent me puzzled me, Bob. I had some friends over at the house when I opened it, and, and they were puzzled by it, too. Why, Madeline, that was a picture of me. Hmm? And all night long we kept playing, trying to pin the tail on it. <laughs> but seriously, Bob, I think you're quite handsome, and, and I love working with you in our new picture. Oh, do you mean it, Maddie? Certainly. I'm very happy with you as my leading man. Gosh, I made pictures with Gary Cooper, Brian Hearn, Robert Preston, and Fred McMurray. But sometimes a girl gets tired of appearing with actors. <laughs> Wait a minute, Madeline. Our people have told me that I'm an actor of the first water. Bob, in Hollywood, that's just a polite way of saying you're a drip. <laughs> Oh, but I, I really do like working with you. <laughs> you know, I remember the first day on the set when we were introduced. You, you became so red and confused. Well, I'm still a child at heart. Sometimes I wish I was living a simple life once again, enjoying the simple pleasures like killing grasshoppers with a loaded yo-yo. <laughs> Say, how... How about having dinner with me tonight, Maddie? Well, I'd like to, Bob, but I'm hungry. <laughs> Listen, Maddie, I don't have to beg you for dates. I've already got a heavy date for tonight. You know Hetty Lamar? Hetty? Certainly. We're going to Ciro's together tonight. Oh. Well, do you know Lana Turner? 
Lana, of course she's at our party at Ciro's, too. Oh. Well, on your way to Ciro's with Hetty and Lana, if you should pass McDonald's Drive and you'll find me there with Mae Robeson. <laughs> Thank you, Madeline. And she'll be back with us in a few minutes, folks. And here back again, we have vitamin D1 with legs. With Freddie Hudson. There was Jumpin' Jack playing piggyback with the Big Bear family. And the Popeye clown popping up and down and the Toy Town Jamboree. Little crying doll didn't cry at all, but she danced so merrily. With her pride and joy, little soldier boy at the Toy Town Jamboree. Jackie Horner in his corner forgot about his pie. And Donald Duck started in the truck when little boy blue blue swing a Take a tip from me You'll be more than proud If you join the crowd At the Toy Town Crazy Cat in his Sunday hat Went to town in ecstasy Did the palm with Sweetie Tom At the Toy Town Jamboree Crying doll didn't cry at all But she danced so merrily Bunny bug did the bunny hug At the Toy Town Jamboree Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater, rejoice as he let the fan red right. Was feeling mighty good. Started to peck in a jack bird. Little Mickey Mouse really took the house when he sang all from me. We'd be more than proud if you joined the with her as she's sleepy. That was Betty Hutton and our six hits in the midst thing in Toyland Jamboree. Letty, into the office. The Pepsodent Company and its entire organization wishes you the happiness of a fine, old-fashioned Christmas. That kind of Christmas that is traditional with America, with laughter, good fellowship, and joyous celebration. We hope that every Christmas in the years to come will be the kind we have always known. Let's work to make it that way. You can help preserve this traditional spirit of Christmas for future America by helping our country now. Buy defense bonds and stamps. Buy all you can, whether it's a dime, a quarter, or a thousand dollars. And here's a suggestion. If you haven't already completed your Christmas gift list, give a defense bond or a book of defense stamps. Get defense bonds at your bank or post office. Get defense stamps from your local retailer or your newsboy. Buy defense bonds and stamps this Christmas so that we may be able to celebrate next Christmas. Hello, all you boys and girls. This is good old Santa Claus speaking to you from the North Pole. I've just received a letter from Bob Hope telling me what he wants for Christmas. Hmm, how do you like that? Madeline Carroll is paying him a visit, and he wants electric trains. Now, let's see what else his letter says. But anyway, Santa, don't forget to bring me lots of presents. When you get to Hollywood, you can't miss my house because my initials are all... My real name is Philbert H. Albert, so look for the letters F-H-A. I'm throwing a big party for Madeline Carroll, so don't be late. Oh, I'd better hurry. I'll start up my reindeer. 
Up, Dancer. Up, Prancer. Up, Phil Murray. Up, William Green. Up, John L. Lewis. All pulled together now. <laughs> We're off for Bob Hope's Christmas party. Say, Maddie, don't you think it was swell of me to invite the whole gang over to my house for a Christmas party this year? Yes, Bob. And I think 35 cents is very reasonable. <laughs> Madeline, come over here and sit down, huh? Bob, I don't like that smile on your face. You've got that come-hither look in your nose. <laughs> oh, Madeline, uh, why do you avoid me like this? Am I perchance unattractive? Of course not, Bob Why, I think you're one of the handsomest men in Hollywood What makes you say that? My eyes, my lips, or my profile? My script <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right, then Let's finish decorating the house for the party I'll turn on all the lights in the tree Now, Maddie, here, you hold these wires Oh, Bob, be careful now you Oh, might... I know all about electricity I once went to an electrical school of course, I never got a diploma. Hello, is Hope there? Speaking. How to meet you speaking. Is Hope there? This is him. Him? What happened to Speaking? Listen, Kelowna, this is Hope speaking. Oh, Hope speaking. I knew your brother, the baseball player, Tris speaking. Look, Professor, this is Bob Hope. Oh, uh, say, Hope, are you in your living room all alone with Madeline Carroll? That's right. Are the lights low and is Madeline sitting close to you? That's right. <laughs> and you, like a dope, waste your time on the telephone. <laughs> Listen, Professor, I sent you out to buy Christmas presents. Say, Hope, would a $1,000 defense bond be a nice present to give somebody? Oh, a $1,000 defense bond would be wonderful. Well, we'd be down here with a fishing pole and a long line. Well, where are you, Kelowna? On the roof of the Bank of America. <laughs> Kelowna, only a moron would say the things you say. Ah, yes, and only an idiot would pay me for saying them. <laughs> Bob, look, I think I see some of your guests arrive. Yeah. Hiya, Hiya people. people. Yeah. Hiya, Scan. Hey, hello, Bob. Look who I brought with me. Betty Hutton. Boy, what a walk we had getting here. Now, put me down, Betty. <laughs> Well, come on in, everybody. Welcome to my party. Open house. Step inside here. Come on. Skinny, you put a slug in the turnstile. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Come on, everyone. Why don't we all come in here by the Christmas tree? Isn't it beautiful? No. Down south where I come from, my folks used to have a much prettier Christmas tree every year. Man, it was beautiful. Beautiful? Yep. Confederate money for tinsel and a Yankee hanging from every branch. <laughs> Wonderful, Madeline. Yes. Say, Betty, how do you know Skinny loves you? Well, he's always got a light in his eyes. Well, what does that prove? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. It's all right. I'll... He's always got a light in his eyes. What does that prove? It must prove something. He ain't a pinball machine. <laughs> Are you really in love with him, Daddy? Yeah, you know, there's something strong and manly about Skinny. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the way he gulps his adrenaline. <laughs> Hello? Hello, is this Old Faithful? Kelowna, Old Faithful is a giant geyser. I know, and you're a pretty big squirt yourself, too. <laughs> Listen, you idiot, I sent you out to do some Christmas shopping for me. Now tell me, what did you get for my little niece, Sheila? 
Well, Hope, I couldn't get a talking doll for your little niece, Sheila, so I just got her a beautiful electric razor instead. I'm watching her play with it now. Sheila! Sheila, put that electric razor down. Sheila, Sheila! Just call her Baldy. <laughs> Hello, everybody. How's the party going? Well, Francis Langford, you come alone, Francis? Come on, dance with me. No, I came with Ben Gates. He won't let me dance with anybody else. He's outside parking the car. <laughs> Well, shall we rumble? <laughs> well, come on, everybody. It's time to give out the Christmas presents. Francis, here's your present. This one here. Go on, unwrap it. Now open it. Bob, what a beautiful box. Ain't it useful? You can put anything you want in it. <laughs> By the way, Skinny, I meant to ask you, just what did Bob give you for Christmas? Oh, he was very generous with me this year. He gave me two tickets to the Rose Bowl game. <laughs> he was very generous with me, too He gave me a season pass <laughs> He gave me a season pass to Santa Anita Why don't we eat our plum pudding later, huh? <laughs> Danny, you know what Santa Anita is that's, that's that big pinball machine that the government just filled I got that out <laughs> By the way, Madeline, did Bob give you a Christmas present? Oh, yes, Bob gave me a wonderful present. He gave me a check for $5,000 drawn on the First National Bank of Tokyo. <laughs> I can't help it. I have a yen for it. <clears throat> Get those bells. Hey, Bob, look, Bob. Isn't that Santa Claus and his sleigh passing over the roof of your house? Well, if it isn't, some woman driver is way off the road. <laughs> look, look, here comes Santa Claus down the chimney. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Oh, thanks, Santa, and I think we ought to pass that greeting along to all our friends listening in tonight. So from the entire cast and myself, we wish you a very Merry Christmas, folks. All you people that have written in those nice cards and those letters, we haven't got all your names and addresses, so we can't send you all a Christmas card. But if we could, this would be the card we'd send. All right, Francis. Silent
This is the National Broadcasting Company. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more old-time radio. I hope you can join us then. Till then, this is Jim Dolan thanking you for listening.